Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow Blog Talk Radio time, and uh, I am very excited about our guest tonight, and uh, just to be on with as many of you who might be able to listen. Um, I yeah, you know, I love that that opening song we keep using is uh, is a song that I actually I wrote in probably 1970 I think, and uh, uh, it was in advance of a evangelistic uh, crusade type bunch of meetings I was going to in South Africa in uh, in Grahamstown in Rhodes University and uh, uh, just brings back such great memories of those early days when there was hardly anybody doing anything of uh, of a lively current contemporary or whatever nature with their music who who were fate, who were uh, in love with Jesus and uh and then there was this big explosion and uh and one of those one of those people is going to be our guest tonight his name is Glenn Kaiser and he uh lives in Chicago and uh has an incredible uh background of his own and uh, played all kinds of music, but really loves blues. And uh, some of you might know him as the creator of the Resurrection Band, or better known as Res Band. I always love uh, love the fact that um, Glenn and his his music was somehow able to just kind of be out there. And uh, when people talk about contemporary Christian music. Um, they hardly ever mention Glenn. <laughs> I think I think he's probably happy about that. I don't know, but um, Glenn, welcome to our show, and uh, we want to talk a little bit about your past, but then we want to get into talking about um, how we how we reach people today, um, just as they are. So, good to have you on the show, uh, John. It's a pleasure, as always, as you know. You are, as far as I know, one of the very first musicians who came to really fuck Jesus and care about the spiritual welfare and even, uh, shall I say, biblical discipleship of musicians way back in, yeah. in those early early days at the Peninsula Bible Church in the Bay Area. And so you've been one of my heroes uh, from day one. Well... Well, it's mutual. Um, I, I'm trying to, you know, I haven't really even placed, uh, forgive me, uh, when you actually got started in in the music thing, especially with your with your faith through your music after you got saved. What what are we talking yeah. about there? Well, you know, 
I was from from 12 years on was a musician, you know, that singing and playing. I played guitar and bass and drums and so on, and harmonica. And when I came to the Lord, it was like two weeks before my 18th birthday. And uh, that would have been, uh, as a matter of fact, it was the 3rd of January, 71, when I responded mm. uh, to Jesus in a very direct way. Um, and that's a very long story. But for the next nine months, it was right about oh, September 18th of 71, when I walked in the door of the Jesus people of Milwaukee and somewhere between there and early Jan- early December, folks in leadership asked me to pick music back up again. Uh, nobody told okay. me to put it aside, but I needed to. And yeah. it was just, it was one idol among, you know, along with drugs and sex that, it just drug me yeah. further from God instead of toward him. So I would put the starting date for, you know, music ministry uh, as a Christian, mm-hmm. um, you know, somewhere in probably late November. Uh, they asked me to do some solo stuff, which I did. I mean, I, I didn't even, the only songs I knew that expressed faith in God were the songs we would sing in, in our gatherings, in our worship times, you know, I, I've yeah. listened some songs about the Lord before that, but I, before I actually walked in the door of the community in that, that September, but too much of Gwen, way too much me, me, <laughs> and me, and you know what I mean? And, and nobody, there was no law, you know, nobody preached at me, none of it. Uh, just a deep mm-hmm. personal conviction. This stuff has to be given over. And so I just, stopped the only time i'd be singing is you know sitting next to people in a worship gathering or something uh but by by the the 12th of 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 december about the 12th of december 71 this little group called charity which became known as resurrection band uh, about well about march of 72 Mm -hmm. uh, did our first concert and, you know, there was maybe, I don't know, 35 people that showed up in a little municipal auditorium in some little funky town north of Milwaukee up in Wisconsin. The Jesus movement was moving, moving. I mean, that's yeah. all I can say is uh, we just happened to be there when the rain fell, you know. I, I, I mean, half yeah. the people that showed up in that little concert that night came forward and prayed to, to respond to yeah. the call to follow Jesus. And it, they just went on and on and on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that's so true. You know, I, um, there is a, some, somebody just wrote a book, uh, about the Jesus movement. And, um, I think it's done really well. I, I think, you know, there's some, there's some excellent things about it, but, the the one thing issue I took with it is it's they spend about two or three chapters on what was happening in California um, uh, as the beginning, and uh, I, I really, in my understanding, there was no location of the beginning. It it began with the Holy Spirit everywhere. Would you would you agree I with agree. that, Glenn? I totally I totally yeah. agree, and and you're aware as I as I was and am that not just uh, most of the English-speaking nations, 
but also yeah. throughout Scandinavia, Central Europe. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was it was a simultaneous thing. And listen, before people read about it on uh, in the pages of newspapers or or, or Life right. magazine or, or Time magazine or any of that, it was this amazing spontaneous thing that went not just among us hippies but also out to uh, even seminaries bible colleges very conservative i mean culturally conservative elements of the larger church and denominational churches but student students all over the world one after the other people i mean whether it was visions whether i mean i'm talking when people weren't doing drugs uh, whether it was when they were high, I mean, it happened to me. It happened to me. I, at one point, I'm tripping, and I can't stop this hallucination. It's that classic painting of Jesus. I mean, out of nowhere for 45 minutes, and there's no off switch, and you can shut your eyes, but it, you wouldn't go away. I mean, what do you do with that? And And that kind of thing happened all over the world. And yeah. it didn't always quit when I was uh, straight and when I wasn't doing any drugs or drinking. You know, it just, God mm-hmm. kept knocking on the door. Yeah, yeah. No, that was, that's that's so true. South Africa, um, I just ran into some, some people there who were, uh, you were, were starting up a, a church with uh, youth and music in 1970. You know, it's just, uh, it's amazing. Um, it was everywhere. So Australia, you, New Zealand, everywhere. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you have such an interesting career. It, it's um, you know you've stayed with your music, and uh, which is obviously got to be something you love. And uh, but then you have also been so faithful to picking up this com- community ministry that uh, I can only say God led you to begin there in Chicago. And it, uh, I'm just amazed that uh, you're still doing it today. And uh, you didn't get lost in your music career, in other words. Um, that was one side of it. Uh, explain, I, I don't know how you, that's so much, but how how did you, uh, how do you think, you knew you were supposed to do more than just uh, be a rock star for Jesus. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Well, look, just for just for some con- well, just for some context. Uh, you know, I, my whole my whole my whole identity, uh, really, between my thirteenth year. Right through until I surrendered again, right as I'm turning eighteen, it was literally music and drugs and sex. Well, drugs was about me and pleasure and trying to feel good about my my stinking, lousy, empty life, to be honest with you. Uh looking at the world by war and bitterness, uh you know, three quarters of people in my block were divorced. Okay, now we're talking relationships. Huh? Okay, yeah. sex. 
Well, that was about me feeling good, not about the other person. And there were a number of other persons. Uh, you know, that, that relationship, but real, a little deeper than literally skin. Uh, then, 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 I, then I came, yes. Ben, so sorry. You're uh, you're breaking up a lot, and it, and um, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm wondering if you're hold, holding your phone. Maybe can you move, walk around a little bit, or something? I don't know what's going okay, on. Okay, so so sorry. Is this, <laughs> is this is this any better? It's a little better. Yeah, talk some more, okay. and, and let's see if we can pick up. Let me do. Let me do one more thing. Let me move a little bit further yet. <laughs> okay. I'll just do a little bit of background noise because I'm near a window. How's that? Okay. Talk a little bit more. I think we're yeah, doing a little we'll better just, now. We'll just check on this one right here. Hello, hello, 62321. <laughs> yeah, gosh, it's still um, it's still breaking up. It's still kind of messy. All right, let me try yeah. one more spot because this spot usually tends to be pretty good. And it is the spot in this office from which I Skype. What it is is our main building is full of steel. And uh, uh, just it's an old building yeah. that's yeah. steel and cement. Okay, it's so already getting better. Working. Okay, good. Yeah. Hang on one second. And I think we can do this better. Move a couple of things. And all right. How about that? Is that better? Yeah. Yeah, you okay, were talking about relationships. Yeah, so here's the deal. It was, you know, drugs was about how I felt and, and something to do with relationships with other people. And, you know, you do it in part because your friends are whatever and you want to uh, accepted among your buddies, about among other people. Sex was about, you know, me, not really the other person. And, uh, and, and music was absolutely about me because – that was a big part of my city and accepted by people. But all of those relationships were very thin, very lasting. And I have to say that when I came to the Lord, I, you know, one of the things I did is, and a number of people did this, and I want to, I want to say this again, nobody ever preached at me, nobody got in my face to, to quote-unquote teach me. There was a deep conviction that these things – literally had helped, had destroyed me and through mm. which I tried to manipulate others and ended up wrecking other people. And it came to a place where I realized that if Jesus was going to be Lord and Savior, that he alone could would have to be Savior, no other, there is no other, and, and, and Lord as well. And that so drug, sex, and even music, which can be a very good, positive thing, could no longer have the place of, of lordship, you know, of mastery in my life. Yeah. So the next, thing I ended up, the next thing I ended up doing was I gave all my equipment away to a Christian band. Um, I mean, I went to the wall. And again, maybe this was overkill, right? But for me, it was part of, of walking out my experience of love and salvation in Jesus. I could no longer lean on any of these props. My identity now was to be a child, uh, a son, uh, a, a follower of the Lord, a, a child of God. I mean, uh, that more important than anything else. 
So all of a sudden it was relationship to God and relationship to others, and that came first, and it still does. I wrote a few books uh, in my time, but mainly one called The Responsibility of the Christian Musician. And a pastor buddy of mine, I mean, it it was frankly not a very well-written book, and I didn't even begin to tell enough stories. But I wrote it in response to questions that I'm asked all the time by their musicians, Christians, or, or people that want to be, you know, want to do it as a profession or as a ministry, whatever, career. And they kept asking the same questions. So I, I wrote this little book. And i got to tell you, the, one of the pastors uh, talking about out on the East Coast, he used it as a Bible study for a bunch of musicians. He's got a very large church. And after about a month of meeting, one of the guys in the Q&A time one night said, is this guy ever going to talk about music in this book? And the pastor laughed. The pastor laughed and he said, you figured that out, huh? The whole thing's about relationships. And my friend cracked up. And when he told me the story, I, I had no idea he was using it as a Bible study book for you know, sort of discipling yeah. musicians. I started laughing. I'm like, of course, John, anybody listening to this, there is nothing that any of us are going to take out of this life nothing except relationship to God or lack of it and relationship to the people of God. And they're the ones who are going to live for eternity with him and with one another. That's it. All we're taking out of here is relationships. So if if, you hit it, you, you absolutely, you got it, you get it. Unless we focus on relationships and music Mm -hmm. or whatever, other things have got to take you know, maybe maybe on the list it, it, around four, five, or six, not one or two or three. Yeah, yeah. So, how did you how did you end up with Jesus People USA? <laughs> Where did that come from? Well, yeah, was, this, that, this, a, was this that your vision, or was that a whole bunch well, of people no, together? No, what happened? Well, what happened was a married couple. Uh, had come to a couple of hippies who had had just done a lot of dumb things, came to Jesus at a little tent meeting up in the Pacific Northwest somewhere, Washington State. And after about a year of meeting regularly and sharing the gospel in the street and on campuses, you know, going to Bible studies, worshiping, growing, there was a sense that the Lord was calling them to the Midwest. They first came to Chicago. They were here about a week, week and a half. Nobody responded to the Lord as they were sharing the gospel in the street. Not not kids, hippies, nobody. The, the local churches, nobody seemed to want anything to do with these guys. And this couple bumped into one guy who said, "If you go up to Milwaukee, are you ready for this?" There's, they told him, "There's like a used car salesman up there." You know, they gave him the name and whatever. And we hear this guy's really friendly to the Jesus freaks. So they just they hitchhiked up there, I guess. They got there. The guy helped them to get an apartment. Within about a week or a week and a half, there were like 18 people in sleeping bags wall to wall that they had led to the Lord. The next thing, they had a house and then two houses, and it went on and on and on and on. And that was the Jesus people in Milwaukee. It was Jim and Sue Palisari. So that's one of the major things happening in the Midwest that a lot of folks in California don't know about. Yeah. I joined the community uh, after fellowshipping with them off and on of that year of 79 when I first came to the Lord from about March until I moved in in September. 
by the time I moved in, there were around 65 people. And it uh, was a matter of... Is still in Milwaukee? Yep. Book of Acts. Yep, in Milwaukee, inner city. Mm -hmm. Uh, Right right between Brady Street, which was the hippie district, and the University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee. Ended up with a an old hospital building that we occupied uh, two of the four floors. There were probably around 250 people at that point. Um, a few a few married couples, mostly single guys and girls, and everybody one after the other was coming to faith in the Lord. And we had a discipleship training school. So you know you did what you had to do as far as you know cleaning and cooking and you know, all yeah. the daily stuff, but also sharing the gospel in the street, doing music, going to rallies, working with Lutherans, Baptists, Pentecostals, Episcopalians, uh, you know, Catholics, it didn't matter, working in the street, dealing with unbelievers, uh, Christians, many of whom had lost their faith, churches that had no youth group, um, churches full of church kids who weren't really surrendering to the Lord and following him seriously. You know, we were in parks, beaches, everywhere. As the origin of Res Band, we were one of two bands called The Sheep and went all over the U.S. And over and over and over again, people, I mean, look, I would, I would on a break, I would go downstairs. We'd be in a coffee house, like in a little Christian coffee house in Virginia Beach on the road sharing the gospel all the way down the, to the to Florida. Mm-hmm. So we're in Virginia. I go down the stairs. I turn the corner to go get a hamburger. I hadn't eaten all day because I just, you know, I, I'd been up late sharing the gospel. I got up late. I'm starting to get hungry. It's 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I buzz around uh, to get a hamburger, almost bump into some guy. Excuse me, buddy. Jesus loves you. He went, what? I said, Jesus loves you. He said, wait a minute. I've been thinking about him. Tell me about this. Five minutes later, I'm praying with this guy to receive the Lord, man. Seriously praying. And then I go get my hamburger. I mean, it just, it, it was, I'm telling you, it's like it was raining. We didn't make it rain. We just happened yeah. to be there. And, right. And, and willing to basically be looked on as an idiot, as a fool. Execution, if you got it, and just go on. I mean, there somebody's out there with ears to hear. And so many of these burnouts, these hippies, I mean, you, I could read them like the paper because we'd, I, we'd all been through the same mess, and we all came out yeah. empty until we found him, you know, and, and he found us, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so um, then, you know, uh, then you ended up moving to Chicago, and how did that happen? Uh, tell me just a little <laughs> well, bit. I didn't know until about four, like three years or so after we were in Chicago, the story I told you about Jim and Sue first coming to Chicago, yeah. having a deep yeah. sense that this was where they should be. Well, the team, the, there were three teams went out of Milwaukee, and we are the remaining of, of, the, of the three. And there was a bro, a really good man, who was leading up the small group that was left in Milwaukee. The idea was that these three teams would travel in different places in the world, And as we led people to the Lord, if they could link up, if they were at peace about linking up with a local church in the area, and we worked with churches all over the place. You know, like I say, we had good friends and still do all over. They would do that. Otherwise, they'd come back to Milwaukee. 
that was an option for him. If you need to, to grow in the Lord and really get serious about following Jesus, perhaps on a full-time basis, maybe just for some time to get some training and grow in the Lord, and then go back home, whatever, come to Milwaukee, or join one of these three teams that would be traveling. So we ended up uh, in Florida. We came up for a break over the Christmas holidays. Most of us were from this area. By that time, we had left uh, Milwaukee for the last time after graduation. Uh, We didn't know it was the last time, Uh, but we left in June. And by the following uh, February, as we reassembled in the Milwaukee area, after the break and holidays and a couple of concerts that people asked us to do, request after request came in when people heard we were back in the area because of all the folks that had come to the Lord over those earlier years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we finally ended up in Chicago, and the the rumor is the bus broke down and we couldn't leave. Well, there was some truth to that, but we always had these old school buses. They were always breaking down, you know. But there was this deep sense that God wanted us right here. And i got to tell you, John, the last place any of us wanted to, to have a base was the yeah. inner city of Chicago. I, I guarantee you. We, we Give us a cool little farm in the countryside somewhere where we can be mm. hippies, you know, and, and raise <laughs> gardens. And, you know, I mean, we'll share the gospel with the chickens and then every now and then go on the road and hit the cities, but we'll come back to this nice little pristine spot, yeah. right? Well, that wasn't yeah. his plan. And here it happened again. Person after person, uh, a bookstore opened up and asked for us to do regular Bible studies. We did. Churches heard we were in the area. Come on and share the gospel. Here's a parking lot. We'll bring up, you know, bring your PA, or we'll set up some lights for you, and we'll do an evening concert and outreach in the park. And it went on and on, and we it became obvious we this was where God wanted us. And that was so from about oh I'd say March of '73. Um, this has been Chicago has been home. We've moved mm-hmm. the entire community about oh five times, but always sort of into it's the same general area, but sort of deeper, mm-hmm. rougher, crazier neighborhoods. And that's wow. just the way the Lord's done it with us. <laughs> wow! So He's led you right into the area to 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 basically influence. Who's there? Well, that's the issue. Right? Well, that is the issue. That is the issue. Can I just say that about the time we ended up in Uptown, which is, uh, I would say it's probably the third. It's not the first or second. But it's probably about the third roughest, kind of craziest area of Chicago. You know, gangs worn on the street, uh, a lot mm-hmm. of nine millimeters popping off here and there. I think within about a six or seven month span last year, we saw nine people killed. Uh, not Thank God, not mm. part of our fellowship directly, but right within a few blocks mm. of us. Um, you know, it's just, it's wow. the same old story. It's its difficult. It's its tough. People are poor. Uh, they're looking for an option. You can make a lot of money dealing drugs or turning a trick as a prostitute or something. Yeah. It just, nothing much has changed over the years, really, but little by little, the Lord has opened doors, and and uh, we've done a whole lot to try to build bridges and relationships with people, and that's a lot of what's happening uh, and has been happening, and we're more intentional about it than ever. Hmm. Well, I just can't believe that, that you're still doing the same thing. 
today. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, we're doing more of it, and we're doing it in, in in some ways. We're doing it in different ways. I mean, we have a coffee shop called Everybody's Coffee, and it really is Everybody's Coffee. And we we do a fair trade coffee, and you know, really good homemade baked goods and tea, and you know, smoothies and specialties drinks and that. We have a a, a theater that we we're careful mm-hmm. about who we rent it out to, but we rent it out to different people at different times. Um, there's a and for, for that matter, there's a Nigerian church that we're that we're serving. They're you know they they they're their own culture and they speak their own languages and so on. And so we're interacting with those local navigators group, you know. But we're also dealing with contra dance and uh, different different things in our auditorium. We have a it's like a between a five six hundred seat auditorium. So there's there's like this out of the salt shaker relational thing going on, and we're very prayerful, very intentional. Uh, we're not mm-hmm. smacking everybody every second with John three sixteen. They all know it's Jesus people doing all this. You know, I mean, they know who we are. We have um, 95 to 100 low-income seniors, many of whom would be in the street or, or really be mm. taken advantage of, as many of them were by slumlords. Um, you know, really lousy accommodations that a lot of these folks came from. A number of them were sleeping in the street. So we're doing that. Uh, we're helping them through, and they live on the top three floors of the 10-story that, that we occupy. Um, we're having churches and youth groups come in all the time to have an urban missions experience, so we do that. Um, we do couch surfing. Uh, people from all over the world, uh, most not Christians, uh, would love to visit Chicago. Where can you go where it's really cheap, but you also have safety and food and lodging, and people aren't going to hassle you. They're, they're going to be nice to you. And boom, boom, boom. Um, three blocks away, we have a 480-bed homeless shelter that we staff, um, you know, there's no end to the returning vets, um, to the street yeah. people, um, to mentally ill folks. Um, it, it just goes on and on. We have our own recording studio and record label, and uh, we're doing more and more online. I, I, It's kind of funny. I'm a Linux guy on top of everything else, and I, I just cringe sometimes that we're not doing more online um, mm-hmm. And we will as time goes on. But I mean, we got video suites, and it, everybody's working at it. We're getting there. Uh, our whole auditorium is mic'd, so we could do live concerts. Uh, for years, we did Cornerstone Festival, um, 28 years, and uh, we had up to 26,000 people for you know seven days straight out there camping and so on. Yeah. But we decided to sell and put all of our money and staff and investment of time and, and, and work uh, into the inner city where we live. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, in the last, oh, I would say three, four years, I mean, it's interesting. People are calling us, mainstream clubs, uh, coffee houses, to come mm. and do shows. Me, Solo, wow. uh, GKB, the three-piece blues rock group I'm involved in, RSLE, uh, one of our pastors' wives, by the way, happens to be a really gifted a Tex-Mex uh, musician. She's really starting to work more fluently in Spanish, um, which is somewhat of her native language uh, growing up in, in, in Texas. So all kinds of different sort of outreach. The Crossing is very authentic uh, Irish Celtic band, been around for years. They're doing a lot of stuff. 
out of the salt shaker as in mainstream situations. And I mean, I could go on, but it's just so much of this stuff is building relationships. Mm-hmm. We are not the flipped out completely anything goes left. Neither are we the, in some cases, pretty knee-jerk, hardcore, almost, you know, you drink the Kool-Aid on, on the left or you drink it on the right and you're still drinking the Kool-Aid, you know. We don't fit. <laughs> uh, we don't fit anybody's yeah. paradigm. Uh, we we keep going back to Scripture. We keep going back mm-hmm. to prayer. And we keep going back to this messiness of relationship. And it is messy. And it's, and yeah. it's long-term. And I think for a lot of yeah. Christians, they don't have a lot of patience with that. You know, it's it really it's American more than it's biblical that we got to have quick and immediate results. And we want to see the fruit of our labor right now where we're lousy mm-hmm. stewards of our time and our money and our efforts. And I think that's bogus. And I, I've seen... I've seen a lot of dumb, and I mean, we've done it. We've all done a lot of dumb things. I sure have. But we've seen, what can I tell you? When I'm talking to a bunch of bikers last week and uh, two weeks ago in Sturgis, I was out there for a week doing blues, blues rock yeah. uh, on Main cool. Street in front, of, in front of thousands of bikers, right? They don't. Yeah. They're not interested in a bunch of blast. They want to see, you, you get to know you better. They want to know your life. I just came back from a tour of Ohio maximum security prisons this whole last week, a couple of death row concerts. I'm bringing in blues, gospel blues, sharing the gospel, sharing the word, the Bible, talking about my life and my my own freedom from addictions and my own recovery wow. because of Jesus. And I'd OD'd a few times. I tried to kill myself before I came to the Lord. And I read those guys' mail in a heartbeat. I mean, I'm in Cook County Jail a lot with uh, Willow Creek team. I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. And I'm just one of us here at Jesus People. I'm just telling you, it's relationship, okay. relationship, relationship. So, you know, we've been talking here uh, at the Catch uh, for about a week with uh, this whole idea of just as I am. Um, what, what does it take to love people just as they are? What what are some of the barriers we have to that? And um, Okay, okay. And, All right. And, Let's start. And, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, that's, well, that's it. Let's, yeah, start with, let's, start, let's start with me. Let's start with me. Am I sinless? I mean, literally. I mean, I know that God sees me through through Jesus. He sees me through the blood of his son. He sees me in one sense, and it's not double talk. It's not a dichotomy. It's a spiritual reality. I am saved. I am delivered. I, I, I believe by faith. I really do believe my, my name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I believe when I drop mm-hmm. over, I go to heaven. At the same time, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You're not saved right. by works. You don't earn it. Okay. For these people that don't know Jesus, what do when you talk about grace, which, by the way, as you know, is is right there on the top of, 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 of the words that you use to advertise your show, The Catch. How does mm-hmm. how do you put grace outward? Well, grace, mm-hmm. as you know, means unmerited favor. They haven't earned it, didn't earn it. They don't yeah. earn it. Maybe they'll never earn it. Grace means that I show compassion 
and mercy. In fact, it's the command of Jesus to love your enemies. Now, how do you how do you expect to reflect the love of God in Jesus Christ? You, me. How do I? I ask myself that question all the time. Does that when I walk away from that person, from that conversation or that interaction I've had? And boy, tell, I tell you, I repent lots. I, I blow it all the time. But what have I left them? Now, whether they have ever heard the word grace or have a clue what it means, amazing mm-hmm. grace, you know, are they amazed? Are they in any way uh, inspired, influenced, affected by the love in the grace of God through me toward them, even though they might be absolutely in need of a bath? I'm talking like they haven't bathed for a week or a month. And they don't want to. How about mental illness? I mean, physiological mm-hmm. brain issues. I'm not talking sin nature yet. Okay, how about yeah. sin nature? They've chosen all kinds of stupid things, and they've violated God's word all over the place. Well, excuse me. I've been a pastor for the better part of my life, John. I sin every day. I ask forgiveness every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't. you may not be conscious that you've blown it, but you've blown it. None is still righteous, not even one. Through Jesus, yeah. In the practical, in the literal, sinless, absolutely without sin. Uh, I mean, incorruptible now that we're Christians. Excuse me? What have you been drinking or smoking? I mean, that's just not reality. (laughs) And they know it. They know it. Now, if Christians sin, if Christians miss the mark, if Christians often are, are so anything but compassionate and gracious to one another, how in the world do you expect unbelievers to think anything we have to offer them is worth the powder to blow it up? You guys mm. are you, you're, you you don't even you don't even like each other and now you're telling me about the love of God for me? See, I do yeah. the church's dirty laundry every time I'm involved on the street or in a prison, uh, you know hypocrisy of course my standard line is you don't have to be a christian to be a hypocrite but and that's one more sin that jesus died for by the way but at the end of the day we have to be honest with ourselves if it's all about grace and we want to hear teaching and preaching on grace and we love to read and study and go through the scripture and recognize the love and the grace of god toward us in jesus how do we reflect and are we in fact reflecting that to the unlovable, unlikable, hey, I'm afraid of you. Wait a minute, I got kids. Well, guess what? I got kids and grandkids, and I live in the inner city of Chicago, and I get it. You know, those are real bullets. Those are real nasty people, human trafficking, you know, drug dealing. Go down the list. So I I, I deal with the the reality of, of this every day. Is it always easy? No. Is it always fun? Absolutely not. Do I think everybody's called to do what we do or live literally as we live in community and, you know, sharing the food and the finances and a carpool? That's how I live. Uh, in fact, when I'm done doing this, I'm literally, my job tonight is to sweep the front hallway of the, of the place on the first floor. That's my, it's my team clean week, and it doesn't matter who you are. If you, if you live as a member of the community, one of the things you do is pitch in and, and share in serving. And my service is going to yeah. go down there and sweep and, you know, Get the get the place in order. <laughs> that's that's just, just that's it. Other times I scrub the toilets on the first floor. It's, it's a job I yeah. actually quite like. I'm pretty good at it. So, <laughs> what does grace look like? What does grace look like? 
and how do we build relationships with our neighbor? To the people listening to this show, it starts with you. It starts yeah. with you. You can't expect unbelievers to act like Christians. Christians don't even act like Christians half the time. So yeah. you're going to have to extend grace and forgiveness. And it's not about how many notches you look. Thousands of people have prayed with me in concerts all over this world to receive Jesus. Okay? I'm not saying that as a brag. It's, re- it's reality. Guess what? Mm-hmm. It's not about math. It's not about numbers. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. Not about, it's not about the number of people we influence. Did I, did I love them? Did I really care about them? What about the one person I meet on the street today, tomorrow, that really messed up whatever, you know, whatever aholic yeah. they are, pornaholic, drugaholic, alcoholic, you know what I mean, uh, full of themselves, religionist, <laughs> who they know everything, yeah. even though nobody does but God. I mean, you know, we don't. I don't have all the answers. So at the day, what does it look like to build a relationship with somebody, and maybe if you're going to see them, you know, twice a week, four times a week, gas station, grocery store, uh, school, library, uh, they're your neighbor. You. Sometimes you don't like it and you're worried about yeah. it. I get that. What is it like to extend the mercy and the unmerited? They haven't earned favor, just like you and I yeah. haven't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's the answer to your question, and it's painful. So, and I think the other yeah. answer is patience, patience, patience. A lot of us want a quick fix, a quick solution, a quick sale, a quick repentance, a quick prayer of salvation. We want it instant. And for some people, it's going to be a long and hard slog. And I think a lot of Christians don't have that kind of love. Yeah. Yeah. So let me try and put this. Are you saying then, um, this is what I hear you saying, that in order to love people uh, just where they are, I have to love and accept myself first where I am. In other words, that grace, I've got to receive that grace myself. Absolutely, John, because how can you give what you don't have? Yeah. How can you give what you don't have? And and, and Jesus says the second most important commandment, not option, is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So you obviously have to learn, and you really learn best through the Scripture itself, through the Bible, and hanging out with good and godly people who know the Word, know the Lord, and know you, who can encourage and sometimes maybe correct you. Yeah, that, it's, it's all a package deal of relationship and discipling. And when you have that kind of relationship going on in your life, you begin to, to change and grow and you begin to love yourself and, and, and accept yeah. the forgiveness of God. And then you can begin to model that and then you can begin to extend that to these folks. Yeah. So when you see a, so when you see another sinner, uh, you're just, you're just seeing another buddy. <laughs> I'm sorry. Right? I'm sorry. There's, there's, there's uh, thunder going on outside my window. Apparently, we got a thunderstorm okay. going in Chicago. One more time, please. Ah, when you see another sinner, it's like you're seeing another. You're seeing. You're just seeing another buddy. Somebody. Oh man. just like That's you. <clears throat> Bingo. Absolutely. And am and, I any uh, better? Why are my sins? Are my sins any nicer or purer? I mean. What, for which sin did Jesus not go to the cross? 
I mean, it, <laughs> did he shed any more blood for me or you or Mother Teresa or Billy Graham or that gangbanger yeah. in the street? Did Jesus shed more? Who did he shed more blood for? Yeah. Boy, why do we uh, why do we struggle with this so much? Um, because 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 I think we want to establish our own righteousness and we can't. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it gets back to I want to be God. I want to be God. I mean, isn't that essentially the temptation in in, in Genesis with Adam and Eve? Yeah. But it's the same for Christians. It's the same for Christians. I don't think it's much different. Do you think part of it, too, is, uh, Glenn, that that we just, we we don't want to get close to it. We, We want to we don't want to get close to anybody else's mess because that means we're going to have to get close to our own. And so if, if, we're, if, we're, if we're going to avoid our own, then i got to avoid uh, it too. I would say, sir, you are very perceptive. <laughs> well, guess what? We can both be wrong. And we can, <laughs> I mean, we can both, it, it's not, I mean, come on. How long have you... How long does a person have to follow Jesus and link up with one or or 20 or a thousand other Christians before they realize, oh, we're not talking literal sinless perfection here. We all struggle. I just read it the other day. You know, you're you're going through the same – your brothers throughout the world are going through the same battles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, we we, we have – listen, one thing we all have in common, sin. We, yeah. we may not all know Jesus and walk with Jesus. We may not all be willing to follow him. He, he didn't say pray a prayer, by the way. He said follow me. And so that's obviously a walk, which means there's going to be some forward progress. And you're going to stumble. You're going to jump. Sometimes you're going to make stupid, selfish, sinful decisions, and you know full well what the Scripture says. Yeah. We all, yeah. we don't just make mistakes. You know, that, that idea in First John that somehow we're literally perfect, Man, you read the rest of First John and you realize he couldn't have meant it quite like that because mm. he's constantly reminding us to live out the Scripture. And if it was automatic, yeah. it'd be automatic. Why would he remind us? Mm. So there's imputed, there's imputed righteousness because of the grace of God. It's the gift, you know. But there is, there, yeah. it's both and. And the, and the and is be holy. Not just you are holy, but be holy. Why would he say be holy? Why would that be repeated in the New Testament if it was automatic now that we're saved and filled with the Spirit? Come on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's a walk. It's, as I often say, it's not information, it's transformation, and, and that, that takes time. It, it's not always mm-hmm. a quick prayer and automatic, and I'm glad that's over with. And so I think sometimes we're not honest with our, you're right, we're not honest with ourselves. And so it's, it, you know, we hey, let's pay the pastor or the staff to do our ministry for us. And yeah. God gives us all gifts. He gives Just, us all gifts. Yeah. So so what? Here I am, send her, right? Here I am, send him. <laughs> I ain't going. <laughs> you know, I'm busy. I'm tired. You know, I've, I've done enough today. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. I'm saved. Off my lawn. You know, it's kind of the way some, some things go uh, at times. Are there days, John, are there days when I think, Wow, this isn't this isn't the most fun I've had, you know, recently. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. But for me, yeah. the call 
has been so clear and so convicting and so continual. And if it was a person or two or three breathing down my neck and blasting Mm -hmm. me, I doubt that I would still be doing what I do. But God himself, through the word, through prayer, you know, obvious needs in people's lives. I mean, until I get new orders from the Lord, here I am, and whatever happens, happens. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Oh, my. Um, you were, I hate this. We're running slow out of time, but uh, I've just got a couple things. I, sure. I, I want to know, do you... Do you regret anything? Oh, sure. Any, sure, 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 sure. Listen, David Frost asked Billy Graham in an interview one time, you know, over your long, illustrious career, Dr. Graham, you know, blah, blah, blah. He talked about, you know, all the accolades. And he said, now, is there anything you regret? Immediately, Billy Graham said, yes. In my younger years, especially, I was pretty harsh in the way I preached. And sometimes in the way I spoke to, you know, to people directly, and I, I truly regret it. I mean, that is me. Mm. That's absolutely the truth. Mm. No question. No question. Uh, uh, the, other thing, the other thing I remember is he said, yeah, I, I should have read my Bible more. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, think I've, I think I've been pretty good about that right on through because you understand when you've come from insanity and the scriptures, then, I mean, I can't even, we don't have the time. From all the drugs I had done, I mean, three overdoses, a suicide attempt, for a year I saw nothing but a screen of red dots every time I walked out in the dark at night. I mean, you've got to know, I, I, was, I was trashed when I got saved and, and, and moved into the community. Really, I don't think I hardly made any sense. I, I stopped talking for quite a while, I and mean, then, you know, not totally, but mostly. Because I, I would be quoting Hendrix lyrics and stuff, and they made sense to me, you know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. I just needed to read the Word and pray and and go to classes and share the gospel, simple testimony of how Jesus had changed my life, and simple scriptures about what it means to really know mm-hmm. that He is the Savior and the, and and wants to be and and needs to be, deserves to be our Lord, you know. And so yeah, the harshness, yeah, yeah, those are regrets. Um, yeah. Oh, there were probably moments, and I don't think, I, I can't honestly say in my own conscious mind um, this happened very often because I had such a clarity, which is really a miracle. I mean, really a miracle. Starting res band, it was like I was 19 years old. I mean, good grief. But I look back and I think there were moments every now and then, boy, it'd be nice to be a little more accepted among some solid godly Christians in certain areas of the church, of the larger body of Christ, you know, the church world. Huh. But I understood mm. full well that we wouldn't be and couldn't be because, you know, you, your hair is wrong, you, the, what, with the clothing you're wearing is wrong, mm-hmm. absolutely the style of music, you know, in-your-face rock that doesn't sound like it's been strained through. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you know it, 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 it was what it was. And I've always said, and it's the truth, I think our, our fans, our friends, our followers took a lot more flack than we ever did. Because when people would start to talk to me about music, I'd be going stuff, wait, hey, what? there's 380 verses in the scripture that speak about music, you know, 40 in the New Testament and 340 in the Old. There is contextual, mm-hmm. careful interpretation. You really want to talk about music? Let's do it. 
and I, and I wasn't trying to ace them with my knowledge. I just, look, I'm serious about serving God. So at the end of the mm-hmm. day, yeah, there were times when it hurt to know that people that we've loved and respected and prayed for from time to time mm-hmm. would say some pretty nasty things about us. And often it just boiled down to culture, subculture, not scripture, not uh, yeah. wisdom, yeah. Not, not a sense of what the scriptures actually had to say about music or the arts, or for that matter, even evangelism or ministry. So that, 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 that's gotten painful on occasion, but, you know, it's to be expected. Yeah, and you wouldn't, honestly, you wouldn't want to be, he, you're happy you are where you are. You would not be one in, in that group anyway. Well, um, it's, it's, tr- it's, it's true. It's true. I mean, I just didn't, <laughs> I didn't care, I didn't really care about Matt's acceptance of the church as much yeah. as I cared that, 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 that Jesus leaves the 99 and he goes after the one who's lost. And I was that one right. once, and I never, I've yeah. never forgotten it. There you go. There you go. And but yeah, was, was I a little bit did, jealous from time to time of, of the acceptance I, some of the other groups got? Yeah, mm-hmm. I was. And and from time to time, I had to forgive, wow. ask forgiveness and repent of that one. You know, that's so. Uh, I just want to. I want to close on that one, uh, Glenn. That whole idea of of I was lost. And I, I would like to just have you finish by talking because I think it would be really helpful for everybody. How, do, how does that – see, I, I think that there's a sense that we are still lost. Not, not, that, not that we are lost, but we know what that means. In other words, I mean, how else are we going to connect to the lost if we don't also sense our own lostness, even now that we have the Lord? You know what I'm trying to get at? Well, John, yeah, I believe I do. And listen, a, a few days ago in a in a maximum security prison in Ohio, I, I was asked uh, a couple of very direct questions, and I found myself saying very loud, very you know, very much in public, I need the grace and forgiveness and mercy of God today, every bit as much as I did on at three thirty in the morning. On January the third, nineteen seventy-one, I need yeah. I need direct relationship and and mercy and forgiveness mm. and and conviction and power of the Holy Spirit to live out what I what I do believe, not just what I say I believe, but what I do believe. Uh, faith without works, and I mean done in love, out of love and obedience to the Lord not simply to curry favor with people. That's what it's about. And, and you can't, it's like two sides of the same coin. It's not either or, it's both. Mm. And and so, yeah, I need, but, but do I fail? Sure, daily. I mean, every day, I, I don't have to get saved again every day, but every day I ask forgiveness. And I know that yeah. I need the mercy and the grace. I, I am convinced, John, that there aren't levels of sin. I mean, obviously certain things, the ramifications, mm-hmm. the reaping of what one has sown may be, far more damaging and far worse. I get that. I mean, but I don't buy that there are sort of like degrees of sin. I don't see that in Scripture because for all of our sins, Jesus went to the cross. And so I don't see it as a, you know, I'm on this rung of the ladder and somebody else is on another. We're all somewhere on the ladder, and none of us has has reached home yet. Uh, And and when, when we're there, 
and we hear the words, well done, you good and faithful servant. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's literally well done, you good and faithful. So it's a, it's a walk, and it's, a, it's not earning salvation, but it is a walk, and it is yeah. a, a character thing of good and faithful, of the heart attitude and, and the faithfulness. Yeah. And if none go with me, still I will, will follow, as, we, as I still sing on occasion in meetings and concerts. And, um, you know, Klein Snodgrass, our dear friend in the EV Covenant, which were a part of that denomination, said something that I read tonight, and I'm actually going to do a blog on it pretty quick here. He said, we have a million-dollar salvation, and essentially we are uh, <laughs> we're responding with about five cents. And, and <laughs> that, he's a very loving, kind man, and he, he, he clarifies it from there. But that was the first line of that quote I read tonight. Wow. And, I mean, it's wow. true. It's What is our response to a million-dollar salvation? Thank you very much. <laughs> we're done. No, no, no. Thank you very yeah. much. This is just the beginning, and we're not home yet. So yeah. let's, let's, let's pay attention yeah. to the hurt and people around us. Yeah, and here's the rest of my life. Fantastic. Well, Glenn, Glenn thank you. Um, uh, our time's up. But uh, this has been wonderful, and it's just been uh, selfishly wonderful for me to listen to you. And uh, well, my pleasure, I just my love, pleasure, John. I love your heart, brother, and I just uh, continue to pray for for you guys. And I just love the way you've stayed on the edge all these years. And uh, just keep on, keep on, well, keep it Holy, on, my friend. If the Holy, if the whole, if the Holy Spirit changes, maybe I'll make a change. <laughs> but he hasn't, so I'm going to do my best to obey him. Lord help us Thanks John, pleasure Okay my friend, thank you God bless Here we go You're listening to The Catch With John Fisher On Blog Talk Radio Connecting life to faith We're just trying to get it together Trying to help the fellow Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.